There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 15th of May 2012. For newcomers, you should listen to CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, go into the website and help yourself to, uh, there's over a thousand audios for free download where hopefully you'll begin to understand the system you're born into and how uh, through the aid of science, psychology, neuroscience, a whole bunch of various um, ologists you might say, yeah, it came together a long time ago to give us the perfect propaganda system, and they certainly did a very good job of it. And how they worked for masters who already ruled the world financially, and they decided to keep doing the same thing, but bring in academia and the professionals so that they could bring in a proper, controlled, ordered society across the world, a society which they at the, at the top would naturally rule, but a socialist-type society which would have government agencies uh, looking after you, following you from birth to death, basically, and even on beyond that, uh, meaning, in other words, they would take it even further into the realms of Brave New World. Literally, exogenesis, they could breed uh, specially made humans out of the the box, so to speak, and uh, take out the the so-called bad genes, the ones that would give you a bit of spark and make you think and question things, and put in ones which would keep you complacent and happy and uh, and quite joyous. That's their brave new world for you. But in the meantime, we have to go through all the chaos, you see. The chaos is all engineered to bring in this new system, Uh, a one-world financial system. Uh, Again, Carl Quigley, is not guessing, Carl Quigley from the... Council on Foreign Relations mentioned this in his book, that the central banks, the private central banks that had become institutions attached to national governments would eventually work uh, with the big bank at the, at the Bank for International Settlements in Basel, Switzerland, and they would run the world through the World Bank and the, the IMF and, and so on, and bring in this new kind of system across the world. They're in the process of doing it. All parties are involved in it because there's only one agenda. There's really only one, one in party at the top. And you need the two sides to come together at the end, of course. That's what the, the trick where they get everyone uh, fighting for the same things. What they're fighting for, actually, is to bring in the socialist system. They don't realize it. But that's really what they end up fighting for. It's a beautiful technique of warfare, psychological warfare, where the victims themselves, even the advocates, don't realize what's happening until the end comes to pass. So help yourself to the website. Remember, too, you can help me keep going because I don't bring on advertisers as guests and have no shares in any uh, products that are sold. And you're going to thank the advertisers on this show because they uh, pay for the airtime and the broadcast time, the engineering time and the the RBN's time to put this out. So there's no profit at all for me whatsoever. So you can buy the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com if you understand a bit of the past, chronology as I call it, and the present chronology, and the chronology what they go into in the future for this brave new world ideology. Remember too, you can buy the books from the U.S. by using personal checks 
And you can also use international postal money orders, cash or PayPal. You can, across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram and PayPal once again. And straight donations, don't forget, are really, really welcome. Otherwise, we'll just churn out books after books after books uh, and uh, just rake in a fortune and, and expand it like a big business, basically. But once you enter big business and you have staff, then you get more money in for the staff, and they end up being a corporate structure, basically. And you lose the, the very ideal that you set out with in the first place. So we're going through a big change, massive change. Very few folk really realize it. They see the effects of it. They complain about the effects of it. Look what they're doing to us now, just like rats in a cage in a laboratory. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system we live in and how it appears to be a big system of chaos at the moment, but it's well-managed chaos, of course. The bank crashes were due to crash when they did because it was decided a long time ago to bring us all into austerity, especially the first world countries. And immediately we went into austerity, of course, after the crashes and and bailing out the banks, and and lo and behold, you're, you're, you're paying for... Uh, third world countries to come up by their bootstraps when we're dragging them up with your cash. Now, that be the, in a normal real system, obviously you couldn't be affording to do that kind of thing when you've just bailed out the banks and been plundered. So when you see these kind of things happening, you know there's a bigger agenda at work all the time. And lots of things don't make sense unless you realize what the real agenda is. And remember, too, they want to depopulate the planet as well and bring in um, a system under the United Nations, which it was designed to do, to disperse food across the world, including to you. Even if you grew it in America or Canada, it gets dispersed by the United Nations to you, your portion for it, each region. And that was set up in 1946. They talked about it at the United Nations Department of Agriculture. And they said this would help keep the populations down, and any population in any X state, as they called it, uh, would basically have to find ways to bring their population down because they wouldn't give them any more food. That was supposed to be worldwide, all fair, equitable, and so that no one would get more than the other. No favoritism, in other words. Now, every year since 1946, there have been more and more treaties that every country once again has signed on to until we're encompassed and it's like a, we're like a ball of wool. You've seen a ball of wool just wound around and around. That's how we are with all of these treaties. And people think that, still think that they're voting for the same old system of left-wing and right-wing and all of that. But it's nonsense because the agenda is binding. These agendas are binding. And uh, there are full-time bureaucrats in offices and departments in every government working on each part of the agenda. Don't forget that. It's wonderful when they can all switch your attention all the time to the politicians who come and go all the time. But the bureaucracies are always in place. And they, they, they start their, their years off early as, as, as recruities, and then they, they know what their jobs are in each department, and they retire from those departments after working a lifetime in them. So you understand these faceless bureaucrats know what they're doing, and the, the politicians who are appointed over them from whatever other 
position they're in before. Uh, simply, they're just mouthpieces for these departments because they're dependent on the bureaucrats to tell them what's going on and what it's all about and how it works, etc. But depopulation is a big part of it, as I've said before, and the mainstream uh, tend to ignore that part of it. Once in a blue moon, mind you, they have put a little bit in. Some of the newspapers, the Irish Times, did put in a bit, I think, once when the Lucky Gene Club got together and discussed depopulation. They said uh, they'd always used depopulation and sterilization but and, and abortion across the, the world, especially third world countries. But now it was time to go into rapid depopulation. So what do you think they mean by that? Huh? Have you been asked if, if, if you mind being euthanized? Or, of course you haven't. Everything has to be done through stealth, you see, and simply by not telling the public what they're actually doing. The big socialists, um, and a lot of them too were multimillionaires a long time ago, as they are today. The big socialists uh, early on talked about culling populations in humane fashions. And they didn't believe in the true Marxian doctrine either. Uh, and you've got to really understand the true Marxian doctrine. It isn't what most folk think it is. They had no problems at all with multimillionaires or billionaires. In fact, they had a lot on board with them, working with them. But they didn't believe in carrying extra baggage. That was the, that was the useless eaters, the ones who couldn't contribute to this socialist dream, you see. And Bernard Shaw and others, founders of the Fabian Society, talked about the need to get a humane gas made to, that would gas them in a humane fashion, you see. But they also talked about inoculations, by the way. Uh, even Bertrand Russell talked about that. He said, we shall even use the needle, he said. So nasty people do exist. They're, you can actually see them. They're awfully nice if you actually meet these people in the past, present. And, uh, and they're psychopathic, basically, and that's why they're so nice and pleasant to meet. You rarely find a very angry-looking psychopath. Most of the ones who get up to any position of power have got some intellect there, but they also know how to flatter and to make you feel that whatever you were saying actually matters. And they're up at the top, running the show. They gravitate towards powers of position. Academia is full of them now. It really is full of them now. Remember Russell also said, too, we'd have to take academia on with us, on board, to get this global agenda through. And they certainly have done so. They certainly have done so. A lot of radical uh, professors work uh, teaching basic communism, ecology, how, how most folk must become poor through austerity, but not themselves, of course. They don't mean themselves. And, um, and they're also talking about the need to depopulate fast. So we get articles like this one here that scares the general public, but in reality it's, um, it's a bit of a red herring because it came out about a year ago when the scientists first talked about uh, creating a new deadlier avian flu virus. So this is a later one. It says, A science journal is poised to publish a study that some experts believe could give a recipe to bioterrorists. Well, you understand, there's nothing that, that Porton Downs in, in England, the biowarfare establishment, or the one in the U.S., has done. They don't have this kind of stuff. They're way beyond this stuff. Way beyond it. In World War II, Canada was creating new viruses, including flu viruses, very, very quickly. Within an hour, they could alter 
the, the genetic makeup, makeup of a virus uh, to a killer virus. Any type pretty well. So it's old stuff. This is what the mainstream says. The study is from an experiment by a Dutch scientist who engineered the avian flu virus to make it more deadly to mammals by making it spread through the air. That experiment was funded by the U.S. government and has sparked a passionate debate among scientists. Part of the debate is over where this research could lead uh, and where it could lead and whether it is worth it. It depends where the wind ends up, eh? The National Institutes of Health and some scientists say it's worth it. They say if it could ultimately protect mankind by trying to anticipate how the virus could mutate to one that causes a pandemic, like the one in the film Contagion. So they say, yes, it's worth it because to kill a killer virus is worth it to test out in the public. I mean, it's, it's your paradox, isn't it? Uh, you could cause the pandemic, obviously, by trying out in the public. But don't forget the United Nations, the World Health Organization, uh, an article I read two or three years ago said that it commonly puts out into the populations what they call tracer, tracer uh, influenzas before the main one hits. And they studied quietly, obviously very quietly, almost secretly. All the data comes in from people who are visiting the doctors and the symptoms and so on to let them know where the next flu and how it will, will go through society, its roots, etc. So they give you a real one in advance. Who's kidding who? This is good science. But of course, these are the guys who will kill us. Anyway, the National Institutes of Health and some scientists say it's worth it. Dr. Anthony Fossey heads the, the NIH agency that funds infectious diseases research. It funded the controversial Dutch experiment. It says we need uh, as scientists and health officials to stay one step ahead of the virus as it mutates and changes its capacity, Fossey told CNN Radio recently, to anticipate that would be more important to determine whether the countermeasures we have available, such as antivirals and vaccines, would actually be effective against such a virus that changed in such a way. It's so full of holes, because if you've got a brand new virus, you wouldn't have an antidote to it. You wouldn't have a vaccine made up for a brand new virus. Hmm. But a number of scientists are stepping forward to say it's not worth it, and that this research could actually bring us closer to that nightmare. What they wanted to do was to see how many mutations of the virus they'd have to make. I think it was five to make it a killer virus. So this is the kind of stuff that goes on in a lot of labs, mind you, a lot of labs today. So they're playing with fire, they admit that too. And the journal Science is now reviewing the manuscript by Dutch scientist Ron Futcher, uh, a virologist at Erasmus Medical Center in the Netherlands. In December, the National Scientific Board for Biosecurity warned against publishing Fisher's uh, study and a similar result from Wisconsin. Two different studies from two different places. This Wisconsin study was based on a similar experiment but used a less lethal strain of the virus. In March, that same advisory board looked at revision versions and said the Wisconsin study was safe to publish but some on the panel broke ranks on publishing Fouchier's work. Uh, Twelve said yes, six uh, said yes, and six said no. Michael Oster, home and infectious diseases expert at the University of Minnesota, was one of the six no votes on the board in a letter to the NIH after the vote. He described the studies as nearly a complete cookbook for those who would uh, do harm. Now, as I say, whatever they come up with has been done by the military 
boys. Because military is always way ahead. Every step has been done in all the, I call them the lesser labs, basically. They have lots and lots of killer diseases. That's what they do in biowarfare departments. They create them. And as I say, you have to read Canada's book. It was Canada's Deadly Allies. Uh, and it's about uh, Canada's operations with the U.S. and Britain, creating all these nasty bugs during World War II uh, to wipe out enemies' farm supplies, uh, cattle, everything. They even had a form of spongy form, form of encephalitis created in World War II. And then, of course, it mysteriously broke out many, many, many years later. This, these are the guys we're taught to respect. You know, science, scientists, ooh, the white-coated priests. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the, the, the white coat lab guys and and what their job happens to be, and their job is always to alter things in nature to such an extent, of course, they can actually kill everything that exists in nature. And uh, and this is the greatest thing now, is to just simply, okay, how could this possibly harmless thing mutate into a killer? And they go through different steps by grafting on different genes and things like that to make it into a killer. And then they announce they've got a killer and say that this flu uh, that's in the wild, that we took this sample for from, the one we started with, is in the wild and it could go through these five changes. This is what they say. This is why how they validate why they're doing all this stuff, which is nonsense, really. Anyway, this uh, other article is about the one in Wisconsin. It says the bird flu strain is lab engineered. The cat's out of the bag on bird flu. A strain has been laboratory engineered, and the U.S. government did everything it could to keep the lid on that research. Thanks to a report published in Nature by a team uh, out of the University of Wisconsin. It says a mutated version of the H5N1 passes from one ferret to another without trouble. They use ferrets to, instead of humans. Uh, the Los Angeles Times reported spread in the air. The hybrid strain of bird flu included an H5 hemagglutinin, which plays a role in bringing the virus to airway cells or binding the virus to airway cells. That's a killer when they do that. So they, they, they managed to attach H5 uh, hemagglutinin, which plays a role in binding the virus to the cell. And genes from the swine flu behind the, the 2009 pandemic. So... It makes you wonder, really, they're doing everything they can to make it a killer, obviously. Interesting, the research at the University of Wisconsin by virologist Yoshihiro Kawaoki indicates how malleable flu strains can be in spread, can be in spreading from one mammalian host to another. Kawaoki admits that a mutation which emerged in his study at the University of Wisconsin already has appeared in the Middle East and Asia. However, there's a second study whose shoe will drop when it's published in the journal Science sometime in the future. May the 3rd, uh, 2012, the Los Angeles Times published Erwin Brown's article, Bird Flu Can Spread in Mammals, the study finds. And it's got the link here to LA Times. It's the first one to publish that. In the Washington Post published May the 2nd article, one of two controversial bird flu papers published by David Brown. And I got the link to that one too. 
So the genetic engineering of microorganisms indicates just how determined science is, in my opinion, to mess around with reprogramming disease patterns that can impact human health and animal health, and maybe just what the doctor ordered for big pharma to come up with new vaccines and other pharmaceuticals to keep humans in fear over vaccinated and medication poor. So we live in a very dangerous world, there's no doubt about it, and... um, Remember, too, the big, big pharma, because they, they do all their own, they've got their own laboratories to do with viruses and bacterium. They work with all the military-industrial complex guys, too. Fort Meade in the U.S. and the old Port and Down, once it's moved, actually, in Britain. So they're all working together into the same deadly diseases by making them more deadly, even benign ones, actually, make them more deadly. So that's what happens in the, the world. And that's just meant to really frighten you, but they've been doing this, as I say, since at least the 1940s. And doing it very successfully, I should say, as well. And, you know, I, I mentioned so many times before, I've watched a couple of short videos that guys have sent me that are up on uh, different armies over in the Middle East, the, the U.S. Army, Britain, and so on. And and they're absolutely repugnant, some of these ones are putting together. I mean, here you have a generation raised on video games, for one thing, where you just kill, kill, kill. They're already trained, in other words, to to kill without and kill by instinct, and and, and not even thought. Uh, and that's what army games are designed to do. And that's what these Xboxes games are all designed for in the first place. But there's so much documentation on that because they needed a generation just like today who are brought up on that and rap, and also with with basically no real moral convictions because they were taught moral relativity. You know, any. any any, any opinions, okay. Everything's okay. And you, you see what they're doing in their barracks and, and, and all the rest of it, and what they get up to. And um, we have a generation trained, brought up, reared, and trained before they went to the military to be uh, almost like like out out of control pagans. I've, I've already said that too. We send pagans over to some of the oldest countries and cultures in the world. That's what we do. Who've got rap music blasting out of their armored vehicles as they as they rush forth onto the desert, you know, blasting people in villages. No kidding. So society is pretty well gone that way. I don't know how you get morality back. I mean, real natural morality, not the stuff they've given us to destroy the old cultures that they made made you bind together with workable ideals. And common values. That's how societies are strong. That's when they can fight anything. When they're divided and conquer like this, the only boss they'll, they'll um, respect is a paymaster. And then you're in trouble. That's what we have today. And the general population are degraded. It's not just soldiers. They all came out of the same population. And Here's an article here. It says, as a father, it scares the hell out of me. Live stream website loses advertisers after dad reports dangerous sexually explicit, explicit content. What today is dangerously explicit on the stuff that they're pouring out there? And is anybody even shocked anymore? I don't think so. Everybody's been degraded. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and talking about society being so degraded now that what is degradation in the general populations? So at least three Canadian corporations have pulled their ads from a successful live stream video website after they discovered they were running alongside sexually explicit material. Stickum features hundreds of live videos of people, mainly teenage girls, in their bedrooms, while thousands of other users, mostly men, watch and text them via a live stream. So Tim Hortons, Rogers, Home Depot and Bank of Montreal were unwittingly advertising alongside sexually offensive material posted by users. Are they really so unwitting, really? And these guys have got massive budgets, you know. And it says that the website has some 10 million registered users, most of them under the age of 25. Although Stickham stipulates that users have to be 14 years old or, or above to register, there's no mechanism to ensure this is the case. Remember Bernays, actually, who came out with the, the idea, the Consumer Society, and really made it work in the U.S., also came up with the ideas from McDonald's and all the big uh, so-called family affair type uh, um, consumers. Uh, um, he said that it was good to always train the next generation to be customers. Well, this is what this is. It's training the next generations to be customers as they watch all this porn, you see. And it says here, um, most ads are placed on the website are via ad placement services, such as Google AdSense, where agencies state the price and target market and placement service sweeps the internet for any unsold space. So... It says that doesn't mean that the advertiser doesn't always know where their, end, their ad will end up. For example, in Stickham, a Home Depot ad was placed next to a video of a girl in her bedroom in her lingerie. This is another ad for Bank of Montreal ran, ran next to live shots of a young teen who had 13,000 people watching and pushing her to remove her clothing. It's just astonishing this is um, even happening, actually. But. So anyway... Um, and of course, it simply promotes a culture that's utterly debased, and uh, you wonder why there's rapings, things, and incest going on, and everything else too. It's all promoting the same stuff. And it even had uh, articles placed there, comments by different viewers, pedophiles who were chatting about how this girl looked uh, like she was about 12 years old, and that uh, the actual sight would be off the air if it wasn't for, it says, us, you know, pervs. So. They know darn well what they're doing, and the company that ran the site, of course, is in L.A., where else? Uh, but uh, society's gone, you understand? Society's a dangerous place now, because it is gone. You cannot have a culture like this, and it cannot stand. can't stand. And all we do is turn up children who are utterly debauched, who will, who will make good troops. They plan to using the troops of the West for another 25 years or so. So they weren't utterly debased. Utterly debased. And um, uh, here's an article here, for instance, and it was from the the uh, Los Angeles Times. It's about Marines and how they recruit them and so on. It's just they're looking for a few good men with the sensitivity to train Marines. And it's like very much a PR thing, uh, how they've got to be a bit different now and not be sexist, etc., etc. And, and you, you scroll down to the bottom, 
and you hear the marching song that they're doing. It says, one, two, three, four, every night we pray for war. Five, six, seven, eight, rape, kill, mutilate. That's, if, that's from the Los Angeles Times. That's what they're taught. Young guys, one, two, three, four, every night we pray for war. Five, six, seven, eight, rape, rape kill, mutilate. There you go. And that's what you send overseas. Yeah. And then you're wondering when they're cutting ears and fingers off people. And raping and killing. You wonder why. You wonder why. Do you really wonder why? I wonder, eh? Now, on the so-called debt crisis, I mean, it's so manufactured, and it's a big part, of course, of bringing the, the new, the great transition, they call it. It's a big, big part. Money's a big, big power force right now, too, uh, with, along with the legal system that enforces it, that the money system, backs it up. But it says the Greek party leaders failed to form a coalition government. And, of course, they're thinking about pulling out altogether. And then the rest of them, like a, a bunch of skittles, are, are afraid it's going to just boomerang on all the rest of them. And um, they're, trying, they're trying all they can to try and stop this euro combination black hole. They've never sunk so money, much money into a black hole as they have with this. And at the same time, it's a must-be plan. At the same time, they cannot allow Europe to split apart. Because the, 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 that was a uh, that was a criterion of the of the World War Two. Eisenhower wouldn't give lend-lease projects out the money, the big grants, unless they formed a united Europe. Before he said it, of course, Winston Churchill also told his, his peer group, "Out of this war, we'll get a united Europe." This is an old old idea from, from guys at the top, but it was not to be a democratic one; it was to be a socialist-run one. Who worked on behalf of the big trillionaires who, who, who live way up high in the clouds. So, as I say, they're, they're thinking of pulling out of it. And, um, here's a good one here. It's so, it's so great. The, this, the system we live in is so corrupt. Blatantly corrupt at that too. I mean, we're never shocked about corruption anymore, really. It just doesn't pop, you know, trillions go missing within the militaries and, and that's it. Nothing, nothing happens. But Olympic vaccination frenzies, athletes are urged to get their shots. This is a big hype, you see. And people, again, are getting urged, well, if you see athletes getting their shots, then it's okay for us all to get our shots. We follow the celebrities, etc. But anyway, the whole blurb, I won't read the blurb at all, except they're urging them all to go and get their shots before they come to the games, all the visitors and hundreds of thousands of people. They want to sit underneath uh, snipers running around in helicopters, and missiles getting ready to launch above their heads and all the rest of it for all those idiots. Mind you, they are the idiots who will take the shots too. But you find out who's sponsoring. The, the, the biggest sponsor of Olympic Games is guess who the guys who make the vaccinations? Glax, GlaxoSmithKline. <laughs> Isn't that just wonderful? It says Olympic Games and Paralympic Games provide uh, Glasgow uh, Smith Klein with a huge opportunity to be part of the delivery of an outstanding world event. So they're delighted they're there. And, uh, and of course, they can get all the shots and make billions at it too. Every, every event has turned to their advantage, understand. You see, every event. Now, Australia is getting decimated since uh, Gillard came in because she is Fabian Socialist. And it wasn't because she came in and started. It's because it was time for this part of the agenda to be rolled out in Australia and to demolish its uh, higher status in the Far East, basically. 
and lower it into a, a state where it could be merged comfortably with China. And that's what's happening. Same with, same with um, New Zealand too. Unemployment is incredibly high. There's, there's even the national railroad systems laying off thousands of people. And, uh, and everybody's packing up and going to China. All their own producers are going to China to get things made cheaply. And, um, and it's going on and on. And uh, they're even importing people to work in the, the orchards from South Korea because they're cheaper for the first time. And every year, the same people, locals and even retirees, uh, generally got the jobs. Not now. They're going to get young folk from Korea to do all that for them. So this is the wonders of globalization. And Australia, being the flagship in the Far East, was left pretty well alone by the so-called British Commonwealth Committees. But now it's time to bring it down because it was planned to come down at this time, but it was planned a long, long time ago to come down at this time by the Council on Foreign Relations. They set up their own societies out there to work with China, to help bring China up to the producer of the world and to merge it into a big, big region. So look up your histories. Again, Carl Quigley goes even through that phase of it too and names the organizations that worked to bring them into this amalgamation under China. And the coming Eurozone austerity battle, it says, um, recent elections in France and Greece pose significant changes to the strict economic austerity policies Germany has called for in response to the Eurozone sovereign debt crisis. So Germany has resolutely buffered any efforts to alter the European Fiscal Compact agreed to last year, explains that the Council on Foreign Relations, Sebastian Malaby. There's a battle coming up between Holland, Mr. Holland uh, and France, and his European partners as to quite what a growth agenda might mean. He says at the same time, the political situation in Greece is more politically cataclysmic in its consequences, Malaby argues, because it could not only signal a Greek exit from the Eurozone, but also undermine European financial institutions and facilitate further sovereign debt contagion. So not only have we got to, you know, viral contagions, we've got debt contagion. You catch it, you see, like a dose of the flu. It's all managed, folks. It's all managed. But um, they're all boring and boring and boring to throw money into Greece and to Spain too, by the way. They just got downgraded by uh, by Moody's. Moody's works for the big boys, you know, like the International Monetary Fund. They downgrade a country, but it makes it even worse because then a country has to even pay more interest rates on the money it's borrowing. It works, together, it works in tandem, you see, with the big international lenders. Yep. And this one here, too, is about the United Nations climate talks have opened in Germany with the EU struggling to keep its position of a global leader. Smaller developing countries that linked up with the EU in a coalition last year say the bloc must commit to tougher emission cuts and more finance. So here you've been plundered by the banks in, in, in 2007, 2008 onwards. They're still getting bailed out and throwing money into black holes to fill the, the Greasy's black hole, etc. We still don't know where the money is going or how deep the sea is. <laughs> and... And at the same time, you've got all these binding treaties where now you must cut more emissions and become more austere at the same time. Since existing pledges on climate aid run out at the end of the year, and the EU has yet to clarify what happens then. Well, what you should do then is just rip up. Rip up. That's all you do, these, these treaties. Or, or better yet, get a stove and burn them all in it and put some carbon off. 
It would be the best spent carbon ever. Just get rid of all these treaties. We understand what, with all this is happening at once, in a real system, they wouldn't be hitting you with all this at once. It's all happening at once because it's a big agenda you're going through. And it's a completely different lifestyle that emerges from the other side of it. And this is to take quite a few years before it's all utterly completed. The youngsters have all had their preliminary indoctrination to get them ready for it. Because they'll grow up in it thinking it's all quite natural and it had to be done. But it says attempts to toughen the EU's target from 20% to 30% below 1990 levels of carbon by 2020 have stumbled on Polish government fears about its economic impact on the major coal-producing and coal-burning nation. Well, they don't want you to burn any coal at all, folks. They want you to start basically freeze like the British now are freezing in a land full of coal. Because, you see, it brings down the population. Yeah. Number of PhDs recipients is using food stamps surged during the recession, it says here. The number of PhD recipients on food stamps has more than tripled between 2007 and 2010, according to the Urban Institute. In this economy, even having multiple degrees isn't a guarantee against poverty. And it says, um, so it tripled between 2007 and 2010 to 33,655 claims, it says, according to an Urban Institute analysis cited by the Chronicle of Higher Education. The number of master degree holders on food stamps and other forms of welfare nearly tripled during that same period from 293,029, according to the same analysis. The boost in PhDs recipients receiving food stamps is just the latest indication of how Americans are struggling in a down economy. Overall, the number of Americans on food stamps rose 43% over the past three years to 46.3 million Americans as of February 2012, according to the Department of Agriculture. Well, you see, they're supposed to go overseas and get jobs. That's what Jack Satali said. But mind you, the overseas characters only want the creme de la creme, those are the best marks, the best abilities in a particular field. Well, the rest are, are meant to just take whatever they can get back home. That's, that's the agenda. That is the world agenda. That's what it is. And just a little, a little aside here too, politics has always been a game, a game, of course. It's a game where crooks go in. There's, there's nothing new in that at all. It says, Christie's, it says Governor Christie's pension in New Jersey uh, probe looks at running mate and double dipping. It's quite interesting. New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, a rising star in the National Republican Party, called an overhaul of the state pension system his biggest governmental victory. And now he now faces embarrassment from flaws his, his reforms failed to fix. The sweeping new laws increase contributions from public workers, decrease benefits and halt cost of living hikes. According to Christie, the changes should have saved the state $120 billion over the next 30 years. But his reform did nothing to stop the age-old New Jersey practice of double-dipping, in which employees retire, start collecting a pension, and then are rehired off the next day. Christie's own deputy chief of staff collects $219,000 a year from the state, a $130,000 salary as a top aide to the government's plus 89,000 in state pension. There's all these rackets out there, and you wonder why you're paying so much in taxes for everything. Uh, you know, you got to be able to figure it out. And tonight again, I'll put up. Um, I was looking at the the United Nations 
uh, assembly on, on basically the sea. There are all these laws now on the sea and the United Nations um, part and protecting and in charge of the whole sea and all above it for that matter too. But it's interesting to read this part two of it. And I'll put it up tonight for those who want to look at part two. Because it's got everything in it. It's got climate change in it. It's got moving money from the first world countries to third world countries in it. And uh, I guess I'll do it by sea, eh? But it's amazing. It's one of these omnibus things that you, you see in the US and in Canada, basically. It's got everything in it except the sea. <laughs> and um, And how much money we have to give to other countries to bring them up to first world status, or at least a, a better standard of living. And different, different projects they have undergo that you're all paying for in Africa and elsewhere. Pick out of the kindness of your hearts, of course, as you learn to be, you know, austere. And we know too the Club of Rome had its big, uh, I think, 40 year anniversary uh, recently. And it's interesting to go into this. Yeah, it must, in fact, you must go into it. If you've got high-speed internet, of course, it's easier than it is for me. I get little bits and pieces before the great Hughes Satellite Company decides to limit me. Uh, I get maybe five minutes. But um, they've got a lot of talks given by all the top uh, sustainability guys, the guys who've got these treaties drafted up that's all been signed over the years from the 1970s on about ecology, um, depopulation, uh, rapid depopulation, all of that kind of stuff. And, it's, and uh, I'll put one up tonight from Dennis Meadows, big player, Prospectus on the Limits to, of Growth. And he says it's too late for sustainable development. So I guess you have to do rapid depopulation. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and talking about limits of growth at the Club of Rome's recent meeting. And tonight I'll put up a list of people who attended and gave lectures there and you can actually hear them chatting off in their own uh, words about how they plan to run the planet. But they say it's too late for sustainable development and so they've got to go into more radical measures and all that scary stuff. And they actually talked too about over the next few decades, uh, energy use will plummet because they plan to make it plummet as well. And of course, they've already talked about Agenda 21. This all ties in with the, with the upcoming Rio Plus 2020, 2012 meeting in June. But this article that I'll put up tonight too with all the other articles and the links is interesting because it shows you about all, how all these big international organizations and institutions and universities all work together, all getting the same funding from big foundations, etc. But how they all work together to bring in this this reality, what you think is reality uh, that terrifies you and it's parted off by the mainstream media because these guys don't have to, when they call up to get a, 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 a talking point on the media, they're in right away. You know, there's privileged people, and um, and we get all the, their, their hype stuff from uh, from from there. You see, so it's interesting to see all MIT's in on it big time. You've all the other institutes in the, in the U.S., uh, America, and other ones across the world, big foundations, all working together to give you a fake reality to convince you that you've got to be, allow yourself to be looked after like a child, no matter how old you are, by these experts and professionals. 
Give up all your rights and freedoms and let them retrain you into a new way of living. I mean, that's basically what it is. That's really what it is. And life is becoming so cheap now. We've already noticed it started with abortion and then they went for the elderly with euthanasia and that will get pumped up too. Uh, they'll even give you euthanasia if you just get fed up with living uh, or your young person going through a depression. It's up to you, you see. This is what they're bringing in, depopulation. And LifeSite News has Michigan mayor calling for pro-lifers. It actually calls the pro-lifers the forces of darkness. If you're pro-life, you belong to the forces of darkness, he says. So they're right in the open with it now, eh? Mayor of Grand Rapids, Michigan, the keynote speaker at a fundraising event for the Planned Parenthood abortion business, where he defended taxpayer funding for the organization that does more than 25% of the abortions nationwide. And they do stacks across the world. However, his defense of taxpayer funding for the abortion giant is not what is making waves today. It's his comments about pro-life advocates, and it upsets pro-life people. And talking about fund, the funding group, Grand Rapids Mayor George Hartwell used a derogatory term to refer to pro-life people. He says, yet every year the forces of darkness seek to deprive women of the health and education they need by choking off the funding to Planned Parenthood, said Hartwell. Well, Again, Planned Parenthood was a big, big part of this whole agenda. Uh, educating women, of course, is simply um, telling, them, uh, telling them, this is an abortion, he's alive, birth, what do you want? <laughs> That's basically it, because they want to do this across the world, which they have been doing. And this one here proves that too, because Britain's publish, uh, giving out millions to India uh, all the time, tens of millions of pounds, of UK aid money spent forcibly sterilizing Indian women. All the poor ones, of course. See, the useless eaters, as Bertrand Russell's would have said, and the guys at the Club of Rome. And um, a lot of them have, have had terrible treatment and have died, actually, of bleeding and all the rest of it because they're spending only X amount per person. Get it done in a, a hurry. Life is cheap, folks. Yeah, very, very cheap. And your government knows it, too. So you better have some value in life, uh, even for each other. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your God's go with you.